message today, we are in our series on guidance. We only have one more message after this one, Lord willing, unless he gives me more or tells me something different. But this message, uh, we're going to talk about some of, mostly it'll be about the old ways of guidance. When I say old ways, there's some things that prior to the Pentecost that we want to talk about today. And then next week, we will kind of bring together all the pieces and parts together. Kind of more of an application kind of thing. We've tried to lay that foundation over these last several messages so that we can bring things together. This topic at this link might not be something that we'll preach on um, often. But I want it to be a reference material that that, uh, we can point back to, um, that people can look up and and talk about and uh, hit some of those highlights. But I thought it was important, it just seems important to lay some of that foundational groundwork when we talk about guidance in general. And so today we've talked about, uh, in the past, our our biblical base, we talked about um, um, the Holy Spirit and relying on the Holy Spirit and, and some of those guidance things we've talked about. Uh, waiting on the Lord. We've talked about those different aspects in that still small voice. And next week we'll kind of bring that all together and be a little bit more situational, a little bit approach. But there's some things that are hanging out there that you might see in Scripture um, that we need to touch on before we go uh, too much farther. I would like for our Scripture today that um, we look at John 16, 13. As kind of our foundational verse. Now we'll be spending time in um, the Old Testament in a, for one of the um, method, methods that some people might still be using that I think it would be good for us to address. But for right now, let's turn to the book of John, chapter 16, verse 13. And I want this verse to kind of be in your mind as we go through the rest of this message. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking before Pentecost, and he's letting them know, When the Spirit of Truth, when He comes, when the Spirit of Truth, when He comes, He will guide you in all truth. So, He's basically telling us that once Pentecost has taken place, that we lean on the Spirit to guide us. You also know in there, there's some doctrine in there, we, we won't get a lot into that, but it says when He, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, the God, God the Holy Spirit. This is just one of those indicators, so I'm just throwing this in. It says when He, it's a personhood, as it were, a personality, I should say. Um, I wouldn't say a personhood, but a personality, an entity, an individual entity. So I wanted you just to kind of make, be aware of that. So He will guide us in all truth after Pentecost. After Pentecost. 
And Pentecost, we recall in the book of Acts, is when the Holy Spirit came. Jesus died on the cross, then he says that I must go so that he could come and our comforter, this is the Holy Spirit. All right, and we're after Pentecost. So as we read some of these things from the Old Testament, I want you to remember that. Now, one of the old ways, and some of these things I'm going to touch on lightly, I'm going to give you a scripture reference, but we're not going to do an exhaustive study on, is this concept of casting lots. Casting lots. We're talking about guidance and making decisions. Casting lots. And so you might run into, um, in Numbers 26.55, and they're casting lots. You might, run, you might think about when they... Uh, cast lots for Jesus' clothes, right? In, in Matthew, what's my reference, 2735? Uh, we have Numbers 2655. They were kind of casting lots. I don't, they may or may not have been gambling for it, per se, but they might have been casting lots. And then you think about Jonah. They talked about casting lots. And so what is this casting lots? The research I tried to look at, and as I reviewed it, it was this concept that they would, it could be sticks, it could be some stones with markings. Um, some have thought uh, maybe it's got yes and no's on it. They would cast the lots to eliminate things. You can kind of think about it. Some would say it's like flipping a coin. I'm not sure if it's quite like that. I don't know. You know, think about the different kinds of things that you would do to determine who does what. You might be drawing the short straw. You know, you might be... Uh, that you take the grawl and the stick, you break it or something, and you pass it out, and it's the shortest one. Uh, you might uh, do something like that. What's the discernment? They, they cast the lot, and it fell on. You know, when they're determining what land and how to do things, they cast a lot. This was prior to the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, we also find there were prophets and things, and the Lord would talk to Abraham or talk to Noah but there was this general thing of how to, do they decide if they're not a prophet. They would cast lots. And then if we look in the New Testament, we find a, another case when they cast lots, and that's in Acts 1.26. Acts 1.26. Since we're close there from John, let's just go to Acts 1.26 briefly, and I'll give you a little bit of the context. So, They were trying to determine who to replace Judas Iscariot. Because Judas is now dead. After, basically, I believe he committed suicide. So they need to, he, he betrayed Christ. So now they needed another disciple. And so they, they found a couple, and there's like, who are we going to pick to replace? And you find here in. Acts 1.26, and they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. The significance of this, casting lots in that case, casting lots in that case for the disciples was the last time that you'll find it in the New Testament. It's the last time that you'll find it used as an illustration. Because that was before... Pentecost. We don't need to cast lots. We don't need to get out the magic eight ball. You guys remember the magic eight ball? Some of you might not remember that. It might still be around somewhere. 
It had that little triangle thing inside. You turn it upside down. You ask a question. You turn it over, and you look in there, and it would bobble around, and it, you know, whatever question, you would see the answer. We don't have to determine our future that way. We don't have to determine our future by throwing darts at, at the wall and determining those things. I'll be honest, I have trouble with the pastors that I've run in before to determine their sermons. They just kind of go through there, close their eyes, and open the Bible to a book. And that's what they're going to preach on. I have a little bit of trouble with that too. But we don't have to do those things because we have the Holy Spirit and we've talked about that. So casting lots is something they did before. And so if you're trying to discern, should I be casting lots? Well, no. Don't think so. We have all of Scripture. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the guidance of God, and we can hear from God. We don't need to cast lots, but everybody, they would cast lots for different things, and you see that maybe today. They try, you, know, you try to figure out what it is. You spin the wheel, yes, no. Um, maybe when you were a kid, when I was a kid, we didn't have all the electronics we have today, so we would make those, those, uh, those little things, you know, those, those little popper things. Remember, you'd fold those, and you put little answers in there, and you'll say, okay, pick a color, or pick a number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then pick a color, and then you do the, you know, all those things. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but you'd have to fold them up, and it was a little game we played. You don't have to do those things either. We have the Holy Spirit. So similar to casting lots, there's something that is in Scripture that, uh, for your awareness, again, I'm trying to make this as a reference thing that we can look back to is you have the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim. Thummim. U-R-I-M, if I remember to spell that right. T-H-U-M-M-I-M. So you, if you look at Exodus 28-30, the, the words behind that are the lights and the perfection. And you'll find another reference if you're interested in looking up is Leviticus 8, 7, and 8. So let me just give you the reference to it a little bit. It basically were these two stones that were involved in the breastplate and um, ephod area of the priest. At that time, and to make decisions, um, one commentator thought that you might look at it as a divine lot casting system for the priest with some of the discernments that they might be involved in. You might look in where they kind of got the ephod concept and it kind of almost become like an idol. But it's the same kind of thing. Some have speculated and Again, it's speculation, because there's not a lot of description of the human and the thummim, but it says when you have brought, brought it and make some of those determinations, it could be there were two stones, and one had a yes, and one had a no. Uh, they had a yes on, on one side and a no on the other, and a yes on one side and a no on the other, and they put it in a little um, jar or something, right, container, and then, then he cast it, and if it came up with two yeses, okay. Or if it came up with two no's, you're not supposed to do... And if it's a yes, no, I don't know. Roll again, do not pass, go, do not collect $200. I don't know. But it was the concept is they were trying to find a way to understand God's will. If you weren't, we, we, we take for granted the access we have to the Holy Spirit. If you weren't Samuel or Joshua or something like that in your day-to-day -day life, there was this casting of lots. We also see of casting of lots in the Bible, and it was a way to share that God would influence things that way. And then 
I want to spend a little bit more time on one. I don't hear very many people casting lots today. Maybe they do. You know, maybe they say, well, I'm just going to flip a coin. And some things, you know, they're petty enough that it doesn't matter. You can flip a coin, you know, who's going to go first? Well, flip a coin. You're getting some of that kind of concept. But it's like, okay, and maybe, maybe you've uh, watched the, isn't there a movie that uh, has the Joker in it? And it's like, do I kill him or not? One of the Batman movies. And so he flips a coin and depending on, Two-Face, okay. He flips, he flips the coin and depending on how it lands is whether he's going to kill you or not or whether he's going to do this dastardly, dastardly deed. See, I don't think in, I, I think we have better ways. We have the Holy Spirit. So let's not forget that. So let me touch on another topic that has been around the church and I think people still try to lean on it and I want to uh, lean into this one a little bit more. Okay? We're going to talk about fleeces. We're going to talk about fleeces. We're going to turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, verse 36 through 40. Now part of me, let me just see how we're doing here. I think we're okay. I might read a little bit more of the story. We're just going to back up just a little bit to verse 11, and I'm going to jump through. I'm, we're going to read 36 through 40, but I just want a couple verses uh, let's back up to Judges chapter 6. We'll go verse 11. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in... It looks Oprah. Which belonged to Joash the Abizrite. Sorry about my pronunciation. While his son Gideon thrust wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites were the opposition. So they're trying to hide things so that the Midianites don't cause issues as they're trying to do the threshing. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And so then there's a discussion that takes place. Verse 14, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Verse 15, so he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Mennonites as one man. Then Gideon, he says, Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that, is, that it is you who talk with me. Are you really the Lord? Then he said to him, if now, I, in verse 17, uh, verse 18, do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait upon you. I'll wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ether of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. Then the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. 
and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was, he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and placed it in the Lord's place. <laughs> so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. This day it is still in Oprah of the Abiezrites. And you see, he came to him the night, and the Lord said. So, he's talking to the Lord. He's verified that it's, it's the Lord. The Lord made that fire come, right? So let's jump down to verse 36. This is for the heart of it. We've laid that background. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor as there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground. Then I shall know that you shall save Israel by my hand as you have said. And it was, was so when he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowlful of water. And Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just one more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. He's casting, today they would say, casting a fleece. Many people use this concept of casting the fleece. But let's look at verse 36. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. Just think about just a minute. If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. God, you said you were going to do something. Okay, really? Are you really going to do that? Are you really going to do what you said? Can you imagine telling God? Okay, God says, I will. And you says, yeah, right. Prove it. Is, you, is God's good word good enough? You said you were going to do it, God, but I want some, I want proof. We've established that Gideon knew it was God. So you're going to stand by my hand like you said? So is he questioning God's going to follow through and that he's not good to his word? Or is he questioning that God's capable? It's a very interesting preposition we have here. So this might be descriptive of what Gideon did, but it might not be prescriptive on how we should do it. Have you read passages in the scripture where it says so-and-so did such and such? And you're like, oh, that's not good. Some of the characteristics we see in the Bible, we may not always want to emulate, but in this case, Look, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. 
if there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then we'll know that you, have, you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. So what did he do here? It's like, okay, I'm going to put this fleece out there. I was talking with one of our, our missionaries, uh, Steve, I think it was Steve Cartwright, but out with the Native American group, and I think he was talking with some of the Navajos, but the concept was, they talked about it takes a long time to dry out a fleece. First of all, what is a fleece? Think, think about the wool on a sheep, and you shave it off, and it kind of comes out like a big woolly blanket before it's processed. Think about that. But think about it, he's got this fleece here, and the dew comes, the dew at night, and everything's dry except for the fleece, and the fleece is wet, so he wrings it out. He says, this, by this, I will know. By this, I will know. Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. I know it. Then he turns around. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test. I pray just one more with the fleece. Let me test. Let me test. I think that's an interesting concept. Let me test. It's something I think we have to be careful for. Because I think when we look at Matthew 4, 7... There's something else that comes up. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, some of your scriptures might say that a little bit differently because you could also translate, You shall not test the Lord your God. Basically, Satan was tempting Jesus. Cast yourself off. You give him the angel's charge of you, then see if he follows through. You know, put it in motion. God said he'd rescue you. Go ahead and put it in motion and see if he does it. You said he'll do it, just, you know, prove it out a little bit. I don't know that I would emulate the fact that you said, God, just do this for me. Just do this for me, and then I'll know it's your will. Okay? Well, I know you already did that for me, but let me, I got another one for you, God. It's like I'm, pl I'm playing games with God. I, mean, I got to cast multiple pieces? Is that what I'm doing? Not sure that, I don't think this is behavior that we want to, to be emulating. He casts in a second fleece. He says, do not be angry with me. So he knew he was on dangerous water. I pray just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground let there be dew. So dry out that fleece and make everything wet. And God did it. And God did it. First of all, I think Gideon knew he was on, especially the second time around, he was on dangerous ground before he wanted a sign, right? And God gave him a sign, I am the Lord. And so the Lord said, he knew it was the Lord talking to him, but okay, God, let me just make sure that, did he say that I understand or that I know that you will do what you say you're going to do? I'm not sure what he's trying to prove out. He's trying to prove out God is capable. Is he testing that God is capable because he's going to do something that only God could do? And if God does that, that means he's going to do what I'm wanting. 
Was it really Gideon lacking in faith that God would follow through because he talked about before? About he was the lowest around? Is he trying to find a way out? But to tell God, yeah, do this and then, yep. But let me move the goalpost. I said that I, I do this and I know that, that, that you'll do it. No, wait a minute. I, I, you did that one. Here, try another one. I'm not sure that we want to emulate some of the behaviors that Gideon had here. God used Gideon. But we also find down the, the road Gideon got in some trouble. But just be careful. So here's the problem that I have with this fleece piece. Remember, what did we say before? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. See, it's interesting here that it's not like they're trying to determine who's doing what and they're casting lots to see which way God's going to influence. What they're, what they're doing, he, he's doing here is he's actually confronting God and saying, God, I know you're talking to me. I know it's you. Just prove it. Prove it. And not only once, let's prove it a second time. Let's prove it a second time. I want it. I want you, let's see if you pass the test here, God. I want to test again. Is he trying the spirits to see if they are of God? No, he knew it was God. So what is he doing? So why is that behavior we'd want to emulate? Do you see this repeated any other times? We see lots repeated. Do we see this behavior repeated any other time? No, but we do in the modern church. Who are we testing out here? Do we think God's not going to fall through? Or are we trying to find another way out? We have the Holy Spirit. Now, is it hard sometimes to wait on God? Remember we talked about waiting on? It is hard to wait on God. But what does that waiting draw out? It draws out character. We talked about perseverance and character. It makes us trust God. makes us lean into God. makes us listen really close to the still, small voice because we want to hear it. We want to hear it. But see, if it was easy... Who's being tested here? We are. Do we really want to hear the voice of God? Do we really want it close enough? Can we relax and let God handle it? I got antsy this week about some of the job interviews and things that I've been doing. And for those of you who don't know, I'm bivocational, so I have a side job. Actually, the job that pays the bills. And I was getting a little antsy. I'd find prayer and say, okay, God, whatever. If you want me to have this job, fine. If not, that's fine. Whatever job you want, that's fine. Because remember in the previous message we talked about, we have to surrender, we've got to be okay with that. But here's Gideon. The people try to emulate, going to cast the fleece. It might be that we know what God wants us to do and we don't want to do it, so we're trying to find another way. Or maybe there's something that we want to do and we want to say that God blessed it until we cast the fleece and say it that way. So how do you... I think I've heard this. Correct me if I'm wrong. How do you know how, you, if, you're, if you're going to do this method and cast the fleece, how do you know you're casting a proper fleece? What's a proper fleece? Let me see. Is it that, because uh, I can form them any way I want. Right? I know that if, if, if God... Uh, 
wants me to do this. That, and we're not talking open and closed doors, that kind of concept. That, we'll get to that in a little, maybe next message when we bring things together. We're not saying, God, if you want me of this, I've done everything I can, you're going to have to open the door. That's not casting a fleece. God, i got these choices behind me. Help me to discern and know your will. But if there's something I shouldn't have, just please you know, let me know clearly. And, and if I know clearly, I can tell them no. Or just close the door. Now, we're talking about somebody wants a sign. And if I see a train crossing the tracks on my way to work, I know. Or if I, have you heard people talk about the fleeces they've cast? If I see five deer, why not six? If I see ten deer, you know, we could form it either way you want, right? I'm going to, if I, if I took my keys out of my, uh, and I said, okay, God, I'm going to throw my keys. If you want me to do this, don't let them hit the ground. I want you to spend gravity for me, God. If you don't want me to do this, let them hit the ground. Wait, I really want to do this. God, I'm going to throw these keys. And if you want me to do this, I want them to hit the ground. How do you know what fleece should cast? What makes a good fleece? You, need to, you might hear somebody say, you need to pray about it. You need to pray about what fleece you're going to cast. If you can pray to God and get insights on what fleece to cast so that you can t- determine whether he wants you to do something else or not, then why can't you trust God in the first place with the thing he's trying to instruct you on? If you've got to pray about the fleece to know which is a good fleece because you don't want to make it too out there, you want it to be kind of independent so that you know whether it really is God trying to tell you or not, and you're going to get guidance about the fleece from prayer, then why couldn't you get guidance about the decision through prayer and the Holy Spirit? It makes no sense. But if you're going to be consistent, you need to cast the fleece for the decision that you're trying to make, and then cast the fleece about the fleece, and then cast the fleece about that fleece, about that fleece. You need to cast about 500 fleeces to know that you got it right. If that's the way you're going to play it. What's the final decision point? When is God going to talk to you Fleece 51? If God could talk to you in fleece 51, fleece 50, all the way back in, well, I cast this fleece because this is the one that I believe in prayer that God wants me to have him do. Why not trust him with the decision? We talked at the beginning of the message that we have. The Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. We have scripture as those boundaries. We need to listen to the still, small voice we've talked about. We've talked about surrendering our will to God so that we can hear it. So that you might, what did it say? Test and approve and know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We got the formula for knowing the good and acceptable, perfect will of God in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We don't need to cast the fleece. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the formula in Romans. Why are we going all the way back and trying to emulate Gideon, who got himself in trouble later down the road, but was basically telling God, hey, prove it, that you're going to do what you said.
we see that casting the fleece one time. We see casting lots all the time, but you don't see us going out there and say, hey, let's get our dice out, throw it out, and if it gives me, if I get snake eyes, I'm going one direction, and if I don't, if I got the yes and no, we don't make decisions that way either, I hope. But so many people want to, I don't know if they're trying God or what they're doing. What they're doing. Because you can cast the fleece for many different kinds of things. I heard a story one time of a fella and a girl who were driving along, and they said if we come around the turn and there's a train coming by and going to stop, then that means that it's, going to, it's okay for us to stop and make out. I don't think that's the way that's supposed to work. You can cast the fleece and twist it around to do whatever you want and then leave it open to chance even. But we have the Holy Spirit that can tell us what we should be doing. And if you're praying about how to cast the fleece and what fleece to cast, may I admonish you, just trust God in the first place. And if He's not telling you how fast you want to know, then maybe you need to wait on God. And if He's not telling you, have you truly surrendered the decisions to God? Like we talked about Romans 12 and 2. And are you really listening to the still small voice? And are you looking in the boundaries of Scripture? Because we're going to talk about next week, let's see, people are trying to decide who they should marry. Aren't there prescriptions in that in the Bible? If you're asking, how should we conduct ourselves in business? Aren't there prescriptions for that in the Bible? There's a lots of those things in Scripture that tell us what we should be doing. Let's follow those. Let's follow those. So these are some of the old ways of guidance. And so I wanted to admonish you. Ignore the blue screen. It's kind of like that blue screen can be a distraction. The fleece can be the distraction. The other thing, the distraction from what God wants to really do in your life and what He wants to teach you. Sometimes the decision-making process is about teaching you trust, about teaching you patience, about teaching you obedience, about teaching you surrender. There's so much we learn in going through the decision process. And I would suggest to you that one of our... We start trusting God with the little things so that when we... We learn to discern, we learn to hear, we learn to trust, we learn how to go through the process. So when it gets to the big things, we've practiced, we've learned, we've surrendered. May the Lord help us as we learn how to discern His will. And may we seek His guidance. So next week we will cover... And we'll try to pull all these things together. We did a little bit of this that today. But we'll kind of bring all that together. Let's be standing together. Father God, we do thank you for your word and your scripture and how it teaches us. Father, we pray that the admonitions that we've discussed today would be pleasing in your sight. Help us to draw near to you and hear from you. Help us not to try to manipulate you. Not as, help us not to test you. 
tell you what to do. Declare that you're going to do such and such, or else you're not telling us what we should do. We need to get out of the command seat and leave you in command. Inform us. Help us to hear your voice. And Lord, if you're telling us, help us not to try to find an escape route. Just say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Help us to trust you with the outcome. Help us to trust you through the challenges. Help us to know that if you've asked us to do something, you'll be with us through it. Help us know that the best place to be is in the center of your will, with an all-powerful, all-capable, all-knowing God. We thank you for your love. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.